This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Supported by thegeldedend.com. To browse and buy vintage lead shirts, player signed prints, and classic memorabilia, go to thegeldedend.com. The Square Ball. By the fans, for the fans, since 1989. To buy the magazine, read the blog, and to download the podcast, visit thesquareball.net. Our regular flatback four are trying to keep things tight on the Square Ball podcast, but like our counterparts at Leeds United, one of us has got his head in his hands, while the other three are pointing and yelling. Hello then, it's the Square Ball Podcast. Welcome along. And with me, Michael Normanson. Hello. Moscow White. Hello. And Oddie. Hello. Uh, last few remaining copies of issue two of the Square Ball magazine are on sale now. Is it just a handful we've got left, chaps? Literally just a handful. And we're on to issue three. That's coming out on Saturday for the Portsmouth match. Tell us what's in it. All sorts. And in fact, you've just shown us a fantastic cover, which because um, the cover story is an interview with Mr. Paul Trevelyan, who... Also known, um, more popularly perhaps only to himself as the Beaver, um, <laughs> but he's the man who brought in 1971 to synchronised warm-ups, sock tags, and also the idea for marching on together to Leeds United. And uh, yeah, and he's quite an, an eccentric chap, as as men in um, leather stetsons tend to be, and then. Um, <laughs> Crumpley from the Beaten Generation. dot co. dot uk had quite a. I don't think he planned it on being quite as long a chat as it was, but we got a really long, wide ranging interview with a really incredibly interesting man. Well, we got a little bit worried that I think uh, Crumpley had disappeared or he'd fallen ill or something because he was still on the phone to him three hours after the uh, scheduled appointment, wasn't he? Yeah, we knew when it started, but there was no sign of it ever finishing. And yeah, and he he also you you may know his work from because he drew the You Are the Ref cartoon so you'll know his his drawing style and so the cover is a, a beautiful drawing of Don Reavy by um Mr Trevelyan and it looks absolutely amazing in our new issue so yeah we've got an interview we've actually turned over about a quarter of the magazine to that interview because it was so long but it's absolutely fascinating he stuff. deserves every page and also in the magazine, uh, usual stuff from the usual writer, Svend, our Norwegian uh, correspondent. It's not the usual stuff from Svend. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a slightly more esoteric twist on it this time, isn't there? With, uh, well, it's it's a Norwegian's guide to defending like the Vikings because of our much vaunted defensive problems, which we'll come on to in this podcast. One of his recommendations, for example, always carry an axe, mm. stuff like that. It's good advice. Um, Handy tips. Um, not if you want to make the papers, then yeah. Not just one player, all the players, axes on the pitch. There's also um, Andy P, 
has written a good article about the wedding presents debut album and um, David Batty's debut for Leeds United, which um, I, when I was reading that this afternoon, the only solution was to go to my record shelves, look it up kids, and pull down a copy of George Best's The Wedding Presents for this album and play it. And it was quite, it was a reassuring experience when halfway through side two, the record ground to a halt because there's too much dust on the needle. <laughs> Technology's changed, hasn't it, everyone? Wedding present for those uninitiated, um, sort of a Leeds-based band, bit of a cult following around sort of the Leeds circles, Leeds fans. Yeah, it was, it's Andy P draws the links between the, the followings between the, the band and the um, the football club and um and yeah, the, I mean, all you need to say about the wedding present is if you've ever been annoyed at a girl, you probably listen to a wedding present record and you'll be able to relate to what's what's going on. Misogynistic, hateful. Not, no. not misogynistic <laughs> and hateful at all. For, um, frustrated and uh, annoyed is probably more accurate, which is very much what um, Leeds United circa 1988 was like. And there's Eddie Taylor's little tribute to Mikhail Forsell and bad memories of his presence before at Ellen Road. Tribute in the sense that I think he'd quite like to strangle him still. And it's quite a lot of hat tricks are going to be required from Mikhail before the strangling urge is reduced. Mr. Chairman's back as well with another column following the success of his last one. I think people seem to... Uh, Overwhelmingly enjoy that. Enjoy that one, yeah. So fans of fans of bigotry. and um, <laughs> Those who can't afford £4 for a programme can read... The same shit in ours. The same shit in ours, yeah. He's getting harder to uh, to parody, really, is Ken, as as this um, these protests gone against him. Well, let's move on then. Before we do get into white watching and the Bristol City match, you can buy the Squareball magazine via the squareball.net, either in digital or paper format. And of course, the new issue is going to be on sale against Portsmouth on Saturday. Finally, we'd love to hear from you. So get in touch with us, podcast at the squareball.net via email. We are also on Facebook and Twitter. So let's do white watching now then. You mentioned Neil Kilkenny. He scored against us on his return. Uh, blew some kisses to Mr. Bates in the chairman's suite. But overall, we had the last laugh winning 2-1. Somehow. Of course he scored. He was bound to score, He had to, he? didn't he? Yeah. He never hit a bloody shot like that for us. Against, well, apart from against Preston, he hit one. But he went in for three years. He did it once. Took him, barely, what, took him he, what, 11 minutes on his return? He barely got that far up the pitch for Leeds. He didn't only whack it really hard, but he whacked it really hard and made it dip off the bloody crossbar. Yeboah-esque off the crossbar. It couldn't have been a better goal. Are there two more different men than Neil Kilkenny and Tony Yeboah? At least they've got that in common now. We don't know how Yeboah feels about Ken Bates. Maybe he's got a grudge from somewhere as well, but I know Neil Kilkenny certainly wasn't happy with him. I don't know if the the blowing kisses seemed to be the first stage in his planned protest because there was rumours that he had a T-shirt or he had some, I don't know if he had like a freak flag that he wanted to pull out and fly. But he was looking around on the, for the, for the props, bench. Props, yeah, yeah, where's all my stuff? And I wonder if... Um, where's my sweet and sour pork? It's <laughs> like <laughs> throwing Chinese food at the, at the director's box. But um, I, I wonder Prop if they... Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't fly very far. Unless you... Uh, maybe like a you discus. You could frisbee them. Yeah, yeah. frisbee them. Yeah. A discus would have more heft if it managed to get... Anyway, um, <laughs> leave that kind of fantasising for uh, another another time. I always wonder if the, if the bench had hidden it deliberately, saying, oh, look... Don't get an FA charge. Yeah, don't, just, yeah. don't get your little clown car and start driving it around. <laughs> <laughs> Rather amusing how Bates is now talking about reporting Kilkenny. What are you going to report him for? Blowing kisses into a stand? I mean, it's tough to see where that would go. It's fantastic. You said that he had CCTV footage of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've given up and my LUTV footage, which would be absolutely ludicrous. Could have been David James. 
And it all started so well. Then Adam Clayton bagging the early goal after uh, three minutes. We all thought, yes, going to whip him here. Seems to be a recurring theme, does this? Yeah. <laughs> what, not whipping teams when we should? Starting games and then falling to bits quite quickly after. We did exactly the same for Palace. Scored early doors and then just sat back and let them take over, basically. Clayton's goal was lovely. It was. I was almost annoyed at Kilkenny's for being that little bit better. But Clayton's gets uh, extra points for being for us. It's good of you. And Russ McCormack in absolute fine form at the minute. We just turned into Stoke and won. That's how you win a game. It's a good player is Lee Bromby. I think she deserves a... Oh, oh no. No. <laughs> no. Uh, what what do we make of Paddy as well in this game? We've got to have some centre-backs who are good. Surely. <laughs> There's enough of them. We're just trying different combinations, hoping that eventually something will work. I mean, the sending off was nothing really you could do, but it was... I, I actually quite like that um, Andy Lonergan basically took all the blame on himself. He he said, um, he did an interview where he said that he'd injured his kicking quad just before the season, so he hasn't been able to practice kicking. He should have had, he should have been off injured for like six weeks, but he managed to keep him going. But he said he's not practiced kicking, so his kicking was rubbish, and uh, and that, that was why Gisnobo was put in that situation. It was all his fault. And if you compare that kind of thing to the keeper we had last season, could you ever imagine him saying, so you know what, one of our central defenders got sent off, and there was a penalty and it was it was saved. But he said, I don't want credit for saving the penalty because it shouldn't have happened. What our last keeper would have done is kick the ball really hard into the stand. Yes, he would. He'd probably have gone and uh, punched Kisnobo for <laughs> the temerity to, to give a penalty away. Finally in this game, then late on, they got that late equaliser that never was. David James celebrating it like uh, like he'd won the World Cup. It took a very long time for that decision to be, to be given, it seemed. Because I, I thought they'd equalised. I was fairly sure for about five or six seconds. And then eventually we kind of could see us setting the ball down again. I thought, definitely not being given. It's definitely not being given. <laughs> I think the disallowed goal is one of those fine moments in a football match. It's one of those, as a home fan, when it happens to the other team, and you think, ah, <laughs> and it's akin to when like the linesman gets hit with the ball or falls over. It's one of those really good Remember moments. Remember the, uh, the Preston playoff game where they had a goal disallowed and there was a, a woman with clappy sticks behind the linesman celebrating behind the linesman with his flag up, clearly complete, <laughs> without any understanding of what that meant. That was a great moment. The thing with that goal was if it had been given, I wouldn't have been surprised. And it was, I was kind of almost, the reason I wasn't looking at David James because I, I basically just slumped with my head in my hands. It's bloody typical because it was a pretty awful game, all told, like between Kilkenny's goal and, and then and McCormack's winner, apart from the penalty, there was nothing but just misery and despair going on on the pitch that day. Misery and despair. Right, uh, Tuesday, <laughs> apparently there was a game. I think we should probably just, none of us saw it, none of us watched it, so no. let's just move on. Should nothing move on? to see here. Nothing. Move along. No, that wasn't a lot of fun, was it? No. no. I've, got to admit, I've got to admit to seeing it coming and I didn't go, didn't bother, couldn't afford it. Yeah, you knew it wasn't going to be the first team. You knew we were going to lose. You knew it was The only positive be. was that they took the foot off the gas at half-time and kept the score looking... Mm, just about acceptable. Berbatov at centre back. Yeah. Taking Dis- the piss. Disrespectful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what hurt more than, than anything, isn't it? I think if it had been a 5 0 win. Mm, Mike, Mike Phelan, he's coming on. <laughs> <laughs> you could have kind of accepted it if they'd steamrolled us, but then to think that, you know what, we don't need to bother. Let's just stick Berbatov. Don't even move. Let's stick him at the back. He'll be fine. I think that was the problem with the, the gigs goal that really brought that home when he was getting all, that, all the abuse going over to take a corner. But it's like, right, well. Short corner on to score. Yeah, won't be difficult. And the other problem with the with the gigs abuse was, were, were we really singing? Um, she said no, Ryan. Yeah, I, I, that wasn't the, correct. No, 
She's, they she all said, said yes. yes. That, yeah. Was, yeah. that was the root cause of the problem. Yeah, it was yeah. the fact that his, his brother's brother wife. Said no. <laughs> Had he even known? Yeah. He said no. That would, yeah. But that would have led to a different... Your brother said yeah. no, Ryan. That Again. would have worked. Yeah, well... Yeah. He's he's trying to take the moral high ground by cupping his hand to his ear yeah. when he scored. Well, that goal. makes you a good person, yeah. Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Knocking yeah, off fun. your brother's wife. That's yeah. fine. It's fine it's now. Fun. You've scored a goal in a football match. I like to think he did it directly after knocking her off. Ran through the living room. <laughs> <laughs> cupping his ear. Ah. <laughs> it's Christmas Eve. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so on to a slightly more sinister form of chanting. Uh, the Istanbul Munich stuff. Bit uncomfortable with it all, really. Istanbul banner. Because we haven't played him for a while, do you think that's why it was uh, cranked up to these levels? It's only been a couple of years. No, I mean, it's a long time since I've been to Yorkshire, but... Yeah, I mean, it's like, because we haven't played him for a while at Ellen Road, they had to come in and make a statement, and so you get a couple of dickheads with a banner. It was predictable, and personally, I just wish people would ignore it, because I think if they brought a banner and, and held it up and nobody looked at it, they'd be quite disappointed. I was quite pleased that um, it got some attention from the BBC and the Telegraph, both actually reported yeah. the fact that this banner was unfurled. But then, as I was driving here, actually, I had TalkSport on and bloody Darren Goff was talking about, um, apparently because Manchester City are playing Bayern Munich this week, they're going to send and put a, a wreath down at the uh, at the airport. And he said, which is a lot better than the chanting that went on at Elland Road last week. So it's very quickly that this, the story gets quickly rewritten that, Darren Goff's a nutter cock on TalkSport. <laughs> he just needs to shut up talking about football. People listen to or him, just though, shut that's up. the problem. I'll just <laughs> shut up. He's fine talking about cricket, because I accept that he, he knows a bit about that, but he knows nothing about football and supports Milton Keynes, Spurs and Barnsley. Barnsley. If we're kicking into Darren Goff, I mean, it only took me 10 minutes to drive here, but immediately after that, somebody phoned in. They're having a talk about how television's changed football. And this guy said, I think it's quite bad for the fans who go every week. I think it's had a detrimental effect with kickoffs being moved around. Darren Goff said, no, no, I think it's great because I can see a game on Friday and then on Saturday I can maybe catch two. I can Sky plus another one, see three. Sunday, there's another game on, top champion championship action, then a couple of premiership games. Monday night, there's another match on, then the Champions League. So I think it's great, me. Yeah, but no, I was saying about about fans. <laughs> so anyway, <coughs> cheers for calling. Missing the point. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, su- <laughs> supreme lack of intelligence coupled with an audience of millions. Thankfully, not something we- we're going to have to encounter anytime, <laughs> anytime soon. The other thing is, if we'd have been, if we'd had a banner at uh, Old Trafford, that would have been brought up every single time yeah. this had been mentioned yeah. in the press since. But it's good to know that some of the press did mention that because they've brought up banners before and the players. I mean, there's no, there's no moral high ground to be had with this, is there? No, I mean, that's really. how I feel about it. Mm. Tweeted as much on the night itself, like you say, ignore it. But um, unfortunately, we kicks off the Munich chance back in return, and it's true that they took place outside the ground before the match. So. The thing is, it takes a it takes a very strong will to ignore that kind of provocation, which is why they do it every time. It's why Millwall do it. It's because they know it's about the provocation. It gets under yeah. your skin, yeah. and <clears throat> and people react. So probably just go on, but stop making banners for fuck's sake. <laughs> I think there is a, there is a clear line between making a banner and singing a song as well, because you can you can turn up with no intention of causing any problems and sing a song. If you turn up with an actual banner that you've presumably had your uh, your acrylic paints out at home, <laughs> bless them, having yeah. a little art session around someone's house. Art attack. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's Neil, premeditated, isn't it? It's in Neil Buchanan. He's uh, <laughs> leading all Man United's <laughs> hooligan squad. Note for Alex Ferguson made the mistake of putting his team up in a hotel 
before the match in the city centre. Which hotel they? was this? Because I read it, about the... It was the Malmaison down the bottom end right. of Leeds. Right near Ken's place in Leeds. Right next door to where <laughs> Ken lives, his flat's there, yeah. Could have gone round and maybe given Alex Ferguson a quick cam job, given his programme notes that, <laughs> <laughs> that evening. Ken was well over the top in his praise of the Oh, scum. God doesn't want a rival. <laughs> <laughs> Just makes Has me there sick. Has ever been a bigger wind-up in the programme than that? Didn't Alex Ferguson was just say that Ken Bates basically knows nothing about football? <laughs> was it him that described him as a footballing cretin? Or was that, that was O'Neill? O'Neil. Martin O'Neill. Similar, similar language from Alex Ferguson. But you've got to wonder if maybe Ken's just forgetting about these things. If he's just sitting there composing his programme, oh yeah, Alex has always liked me. <laughs> I'll give him some praise back. He's always been very nice He's old. About he's me. sure to like me. <laughs> with my slightly right-of-centre view. Yeah, he mentioned they were staying in the hotel, didn't they, that uh, the Leeds fans caught wind of where they were and made things a little bit difficult for them. I feel more sorry for the other people staying in Malmö's on that note. <laughs> what happened, what, with Ryan Giggs roaming <laughs> the corridors? <laughs> okay, then, that was that. It didn't end well. We're we not going to win the League Cup this uh, year. We yeah. thought it wasn't going to end well, and at least we would have had a really blockbuster tie in the next round against Aldershot. We might have had a chance against Aldershot. <laughs> Remember Histon. Right, Friday night in Brighton. Excitement, frustration, end-to-end stuff coming from behind. Yeah, I can see where this is going. And all that was just the four men in Michael's hotel room. Hey. <laughs> it was only three in the end. All right, okay. Yeah, one one couldn't make it. I'm, I'm quite brilliant, actually. I couldn't get the time off work. So one of my other mates sent him an email saying, oh, I'll just take it off sick. And because he wasn't in the office that particular day, it got forwarded to his boss. Ouch. Uh, yeah, so he, he couldn't take a sickie, as it, as it turned out, having already received the email. But yeah, there was a fair bit of, of sicky throwing going on on Saturday morning. <laughs> you weren't very well, were you? No, not at all. I, I don't know. I don't quite know where it came from, to be honest. I've never eaten that much food in my life. <laughs> but, but yeah, it kept coming and coming. And then... Um, Johnny Halson's mum didn't cook for you <laughs> before the game, did she? Yeah, so that was just before leaving the hotel. Then my other mate was sick in the car on the way back. It was it was not a very pleasant journey. Is it like the scene in Pulp Fiction where they shoot the kid <laughs> on the back seat? <laughs> was that your car that then went in for an MOT that afternoon? No, thankfully not. Thankfully not. <laughs> yeah. Um, to so, the game. To the to game. The game. Yeah. yeah, we, we were really good, weren't we? We yeah. were. We were for a bit. Um, but it's also worth saying that for as good as we were, it came as not a surprise to anyone that it ended up at 3-2 with five minutes to go because this is what we do. It was a bit like the return to the former last year where it only took a, a gentle push for everything to then just collapse. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like everything <laughs> was fine at 2-0, but then... Um, A.D. White's throwing and uh, Mikhail Smith turning past Lee Bromby as if... He was there. <laughs> as if he was there. <laughs> um, and then after that, it's just, you could... Uh, well, they just lay down and... Because their goals were at the far end, so I didn't properly see them until... Neither did Lee Bromby. No. <laughs> well, he, he did. He stood watching one of them. Beautiful. The last one, he just... He had a great view of it. He just stood and, uh, and I, watched him. I don't know why people are criticising Lee Bromby because he got three assists in that game. <laughs> Just unbelievable lack of movement for him. He just the, the first one. He just he kind of puts his hand out as if he's he's trying to stop a bus, which he's then realised isn't his. <laughs> he's kind of, he kind of goes, oh, no, no, sorry. To be fair to him, on the second one, he did at least kick him, so he can't have been too far away from him. Did he kick him? I, was, I think he missed the ball and oh, the player you, completely. You can't jump in like that. Though, no, can you? You, can't. you can't. It looked to me like he. I was watching it again this afternoon. I think he sort of got the bottom of Mikhail Smith's boot, and then Mikhail Smith obviously. He's a striker, down. they go down. What do you think about Mikhael Smith then? Look, worth the money? Seems to uh, score goals. I'd have Ross McCormack at uh, 250 grand. I think, yeah, comparatively yeah. speaking, for the prices we paid for him both, definitely. I mean, on to Ross, two more in this game. 
Man's on fire. On fire. First one was a beautiful thing. And he earned some money off Michael Brown. Yeah, I like that idea. What is it? 100 quid for every goal he scores and 50 quid for every time he doesn't score. That's a, a canny Scott. It's probably the, it seems to be the only contribution Michael Brown's going to make this season. So, Michael the Bank Brown. Long may it continue. There were positives in the game. For the first half, we kept the ball better than we have for the rest of the season. We actually had some shape. I thought White was very good again, apart from throwing aside. I thought he looked starting to look dangerous down the left. So, th- there are positive things to take from it. I expected us to go there and lose. As we all did, apart from Dan, who said we'd go there and win. But wasn't far wrong. Nearly. Well, you were nearly there. But we were all, I think, predicting quite a heavy defeat. We would have taken a draw, but at half time you'd have thought, we could do this. Yeah. We should well, do this. Yeah, I, you Simon Grayson at half time applauded them yeah. off the pitch. And I did think, hmm, <laughs> that might be a bit too soon. Hang on a minute. And the, the, the worrying thing about it is, I mean, that's now, was it West Ham, Bristol? Brighton, when else have we scored in like the last minute to get a result? It's it's it can't happen every single game that McCormack's going to score a goal in Norwich the last, did it last five year. minutes. They went up. All right, it can happen <laughs> that we'll uh, yeah we'll just keep doing this then. Just play for the last five minutes. It's matter. absolutely doing no good for any of our health. I don't think watching Leeds is it. We seem perfectly good when we're chasing a game, but we just don't know quite how to hold onto a lead. Well, they I guess their minds are focused when. Um, when you're 3-2 down with five minutes to go, there's only one thing you have to do. And that's why f- suddenly bloody Johnny Housen's in the penalty area getting on the end of a ball to the byline and crossing. Whereas if it was nil-nil, he'd probably just be at the centre circle just saying, yeah, just, I'll see what see what goes on, see what happens. Whereas 3-2 down, he knows he's got to do go, get in there to give us a chance of scoring. I think it's when he does it, bloody good cross, easy finish for McCormack. Everybody's happy. Shirt's off. Went round your head, running around the goal, wit woo. Like we've won. Like we've won. Again. Brighton's cheerleaders crying, inconsolable. That's only because Chubby's abusing them. Worth mentioning. Verbally. <laughs> yeah, the allegations never never prove. But one of them did have massive legs, it's worth saying, of those oh, cheerleaders. Thank God you said legs. <laughs> massive. In what way were they massive? Like, they were like Yeboa your, esque. What was his name? How was the Amex? Or all the stories of local ales and. Away teams, LEDs, true. I, I couldn't get served. I queued for about 20 minutes and then it was, it was starting, so I threw a cash register at someone and walked off. Time for the transfer roundup now then, and we've got a player potentially buying him in January. Danny Pugh's come in on loan now. Never heard of him. Is he any good? Not sure. Didn't we already have a Danny Pugh at one point? I don't think I it's, think the, it's not the same creature. Is it not? No. no. It's, Fine, a re- then. it's a replica, Fine. I think. Fine. Replica Pugh. Perhaps he's now a bit older, a bit wiser, but he's in until January when we are expected to complete a transfer rumoured to be for a fee of half a million pounds. Actual be... money on an actual player, possibly. I think this is all a ruse. I think we've gone after an uninspiring player, said we're going to pay more money for him than for the rest of the whole team and get to, <laughs> to get the fans to go, whoa, <laughs> don't spend money on players. Calm down, Ken. <laughs> There we was, can get more for that. That was one of Ken's defences over the summer, wasn't it? He said maybe they would have been happier if uh, if our free transfers had all cost five million. He said, right, I'll I'll show him. I'll spend five hundred thousand on Danny Pugh. Stuff like he can go for free. No, no, <laughs> give it to charity if you have to. I mean, I'm quite pleased to see Pugh back. I I don't mind him as a player, and he looked uh, solid enough against Brighton. Half a million's a lot of money. I think that's the thing with him. He's solid. He, you're not ever gonna particularly leave a game saying, oh, he was brilliant today, in the same way as you might with McCormack or Snodgrass or someone. But he's fine. 
Yes. And that's more money than we sold him for as well. I can't remember. I, I, I honestly don't I remember. I think we sold him for 250. Mm. There, there was a, a decent point made about Pew because he, he can play centre midfield, play left wing, play left back, and we're paying him what must be a considerable wage if he's come down for the Premier League and half a million pounds on top. And yet we couldn't afford to keep Bradley Johnson, who could play centre midfield, left wing, left back, and considerably younger and was also already here. So it's a, it's a little bit of a, a strange deal. Somebody pointed that out and, I, and it, it made me stop and think, that's like, why didn't we just spend some of that money on paying Bradley Johnson whatever wicked wage he was wishing for? Equality. <laughs> all, all he wanted was equality, so it couldn't have been... I mean, you wonder if Pew's, Pew and Brown's wages together surely must have been able to stretch to one one Johnson. It's all any man really needs is just one Johnson. <laughs> Simon Grayson would be would be happy with one Johnson because <laughs> sometimes Bradley, we've missed you. He's in the Premier League now, of course, Bradley, and uh, he scored, didn't he? He's doing all right. It's, I have a theory of Bradley Johnson that whatever sort of level of football you put him at, he'll probably just adapt. So if he suddenly found himself in like the Northern Counties League. He'd be a perfectly acceptable Northern Counties player, but no better. But in the Premier League, he'd be a perfectly acceptable Premier League and no player and no better. Just... Seeing balls over for Messi, you think he'd be all right? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure if you, if you got into... for Messi to chase. <laughs> I'm sure if you got into Barcelona's Champions League squad, he'd adapt. <laughs> so Pew Selfie looked good on, on Friday, didn't he? Like you say, the key word being solid. And he's very much a Grayson signing. Like you say, can play... Few positions. There's a Blackwell signing, isn't he? And did not Blackwell not discard him as well? Well, we only actually we only got him in the first place because of Alan Smith, really, wasn't he? He was the, the make weight, the Smith deal. One benefit I can see with him is that he's the sort of player who'll be willing to drop back and let White bomb forward now and then, which he seems quite good at. So you know, them two as a pairing. He's going to give White more cover than bloody Nunes, isn't he? So yeah. Earl, you've given up on calling him El Principito this time. That was that was last time. That's old news. That's old news. <laughs> I got it wrong, actually, when I uh, created the podcast file. I said Il Principito, and I was corrected. It should have been El Principito. So by the time I upload this one, I will have changed the old one. Speaking of this, I uh, I saw that Suarez, the guy who plays for Liverpool, have you seen that he's got a nickname as well? No. El Pistolero. El Pistolero. <laughs> bueno. That's exciting, isn't it? Mm, I thought so. Um, going back to Aidan White, you mentioned them. Does he have a Spanish <laughs> nickname? <laughs> Blanco. <Yeah. laughs> The, the, the two of them operating in tandem. You could see that Grayson maybe had one eye on that, but rumours still abound that we're in the market for a left-back. I mean, the fabled Duncan Castles, who keeps leaking information on Twitter about our transfer intentions, seem to be suggesting we're still in the market for a Premier League left-back. So seems to me we need a right-back now, because White has come in, and I think he's been one of our better players the last few games. And he's, to use a few cliches, he's a youngster, he's learning his trade, blah, blah, blah. Surely he's worth giving a few more games there. The ideal we, we, all we do is get crap premiership left-backs. Anyway, I'd rather have him there than George McCartney coming back and stinking the place out with his performances. <laughs> the ideal would be to get a, a left-back on loan who could be backup for White, but it's not going to work that way. You can't say to Manchester City or whoever, say, oh, can you have a player for our reserves? Well, we've got, I thought, Especially when their, their reserves are called the elite squad, which is true. We abolished our elite squad, didn't we? We did. They gave, they, Manchester City gave theirs their own stadium and their, their own website and a new flash name. We just got rid of it. <laughs> but we also have a, a perfectly, well, from his one performance, it seems we have a perfectly adequate reserve left back as it is. And Charlie Taylor. And he's not dead. 
Which it's is, the turners that are, in, that are at risk. <laughs> no, there's no evil mastermind. Sales are fine. Charlie Taylor. <laughs> Varinen in uh, midfield. First impressions of him? He looks all right. He's not, he's not had enough time to properly put his stamp on a game, but he looks fairly tidy. He, he can control the ball. He can pass. He can run. It's all right. Yeah, Sold he, by Christmas. <laughs> he seems perfectly adequate, and given we're, we don't have many central midfielders, fine. He did try to put his stamp on the scum game by just sort of ordering all the players about, which I quite like to see from a new signing. He just strode on, strode on with his huge Finnish forehead and started just ordering people around, I think pushing people around and building a defensive wall, actually telling them where to stand, which um, considering that we've got such a bunch of meek little boys. Well, you just said that pitch. and immediately Johnny Housen has sprung to mind and he's taking a bit of stick at the minute for his... Uh should we say, tendency to drift out of games. Tendency to be sick all over everything. Yeah, there is that. But um, as captain, do you think he is the right man for the job, given that we don't have many other candidates, really? Give it to Verinen. Verinen, is that his New Yorkshireized? <laughs> well, what else is he called? Verinen. Verinen. Um, <laughs> Mika. Either way, it sounds like a, some sort of thrush treatment, but we can um, he can just give him the armband. He can shout from the bench if he has to. Johnny's too quiet. I know we're supposed to look at him and sort of see white roses in his eyes, but he's not quite, He's you know, he's not the inspiration. He goes missing too often. I tend to think, though, it doesn't really matter who you've got as a captain because if you've got a player who who talks on the pitch anyway, they're going to do it regardless of whether they've got a band on their arm. So the, the problem isn't who we have as captain, it's who we have in the team. And that happens to be quite a few timid children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if we are trying to bring the likes of Blanco and um, Taylor and the Turners and everybody else through, and then just having a whispering house. And well, that's the thing about Tom Lee's playing uh, right back against Bristol. He was getting balled at by um, Housen and a couple of other players for not bombing down the wing, Snodgrass included, who was drifting inside and wanting to make Lee's run down the wing. He's not a winger; he's a yeah. centre half. Yeah, he, he doesn't have the fullback traits, does no. he? I felt a bit sorry for him actually in some of our games. You can see that Lees is trying to go forward, but then he gets to a certain point and he kind of looks at the players and goes, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Lads, <laughs> I don't play at this part of the pitch. <laughs> what, what, what happens? And he kind of gives it to Snoddy, who then looks at him and kind of goes, go on, do it. I don't know what I'm doing. That's your job. It's like if you, you bomb down there. It's not quite the Barcelona philosophy of no positions anymore. Yeah. Everyone's a complete footballer, is it? Are we a little way off that at the minute? Well, sometimes okay. I look at Darren O'Day and I think we could be, we could be there. He's such a fine, a fine quality footballer, cultured. He's like Franco Baresi. And finally, any more to add on for sell, or have we not seen enough of him yet? Seems an adequate substitute. I enjoyed his um, elbow on whoever that scummer was. That was quite good. Was it? Was it Pogba or was it? I can't remember. Juf, if it was Pogba was it? or Juice, yeah. but either way, it just came on. And uh, if it was Juice, then that added insult to injury after his um, well injury to insult after his insulting attempt to score in front of the cop. Air shots always good. Painter could. Uh, teach him a thing or two about hitting a football not at the goal but you know at least Painter normally kicks it I'm just trying to think of like a, a Spanish deep voice name for Painter but I can't think of one maybe no. you just edit that bit out then <laughs> Painter yeah there are rumours again of, of wasn't, him. wasn't Andrea Salenzi uh, called the, the paintbrush or something the guy who played for uh, remember the big nosed Italian who played for, uh, Forest. Played for Forest I'm sure his nickname was the paintbrush or something why would that be his nickname I can't remember why but I'm sure. Look it up, kids. Let's close enough. We'll find. We'll research that one. We'll do some research. Uh, yeah, Painter been farmed out on loan potentially because he's fallen down the pecking order. 
doesn't seem to be working out for him now at Ellen Road. He's not getting a look in, very much contrary to last season. Is it over for him now, do you think? Barring miracles. He's weird, is Grayson, the way he likes players for such long periods of time and then he discards them. Like Payne to last year, he was playing him ahead of McCormack consistently and now he's completely frozen him out. It seems... Is it that he's something of a pragmatist and he just sees particular types of players who are capable of doing a particular type of job and then he's replaced him with four cells so he's prepared to let him go in the same way that he did with Collins. I wish you could see a defender who was capable of defending. <laughs> and we will come on to the defensive crisis if you want to call it a crisis in the next bit. Um, we should mention before we do that though that the Leeds United Supporters Trust in something of a coup have appointed Nigel Martin as, can we think of a good name for this? El Presidente. Yeah, we had to do that as their honorary president, which I think is a fantastic move and it adds a great deal of legitimacy to it as an organisation. Well, it's great because um, Ken Bates has loved sort of ignoring them and just brushing them off his off his breakfast table like the toast that he's finished with by just saying, they're just a bunch of disorganised morons. And they said, well, actually, now they're going to say, actually, we've got Nigel Martin with us. Do you want a word with Nigel? He's a communist. <laughs> well, he's got. A, he's come out with a bit of a communist beard. Um, if you see the, he's been hiding in the woods of Bolivia or something. If you have a look on um, LUST's website, they've got some photos of him signing a sort of honorary certificate to say he's he's joining the thing. And yeah, he's he's got a. Um, you can tell he's retired. It's a it, rebel beard. It is it? a rebel beard, and um, his Twitter biography as well. I quite enjoyed that he's just written that he's a clapped out old goalkeeper. That's his own description of himself. Yeah, you can't think of a more popular or really a better Leeds United player um, for the last sort of 15, 20 years. And I mean, if you can't get Lucas Radaby, Nigel Martin is, a, is an equally popular guy from that time. Left too early. Thanks, Terry. How does it move the goalposts, hmm, goalposts for, uh, for Bates now in terms of his approach towards the trust? Because he's got to be careful not to start attacking Nigel Martin. He'll probably just stick to attacking the uh, people in the trust that he always does, even though he gets their names wrong from time to time. But um, no, it just makes it, it brings the idea of the trust to more people. I think a few people sat up and took notice. It's like, oh, well, if Nigel Martin's taking it seriously enough to actually head the whole thing up, even if it's in an honorary capacity, although he has said that he quite fancies digging in and doing some work, whether that involves buttonholing Mr. Chairman in a in the Lorimer suite one day, cornering him in the toilets. He's a considerably bigger man, it's Nigel Martin. I'd, I'd back him in a in a, a fist fight. Not that I'm sure the supporters trust have <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 presented this position to uh, to want a man Mr. on the Martin. inside. <laughs> yeah, they're not setting up as a boxing bout. But yeah, I've wandered off. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth mentioning that that lust do seem to be for the first time in quite a few years on on the up, an upward curve at last. They've we got... should, sorry, just to interject, we should say at this point that they are a paying advertiser in the magazine. So to be upfront about it, that that is the case. So we're not just doing this as a you know as a brown nosing thing. But it this is isn't genu- an advertorial. No, it's <laughs> not. It's it's a it's a genuine point for discussion. But sorry, when we on. first took the money, we thought they were useless. <laughs> now we think they're quite good. <laughs> No, it's fair to say that they they are at probably their high point now. They've admittedly given away free membership, which I know Bates won't approve of because he somehow thinks it something is worth more if you pay for it. But that that aside, they've got a decent amount of members now. They've got they've actually had released some statements that the club seems to have responded to the pavilion. The pavilion that's they've, that actually did manage to get something out of the club. They've the, got a good president. So the words "we apologise" came out of the club over the pavilion yeah. thing because. Um, 
after Peter Lorimer was left um, in an awkward position. Floundering, yeah. wasn't he? <laughs> Floundering. Yeah, I loved, I mean, the, one of the many quotes from what Lorimer apparently said was, it's a, someone said to him, why isn't Ken here telling us that the pavilion's been given over to corporate customers for the Man United match? He said, oh, Ken doesn't do confrontation with the fans. He's like, well, <laughs> hold on a minute, Lorimer, you do? <laughs> he, does, he does what he does he's clever he does it at a distance doesn't he yeah. He program notes he gets around, Peter Lorimer yeah. to do yeah. it which is a shame um, but it's good that LUST then wrote a letter on behalf of their members who had contacted them and said this is wrong because as um, members of uh... Hey there it's Michelle Norris I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen When I travel I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain And Airbnb allows me to do that When I was in California recently I rented a house that had a great kitchen And when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house Someone could be in all of our homes as well If you have a home but you're not always at home you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Leeds United as well as of LUSC, they have their right to pay £3 to get into the pavilion for every match not to have it just taken away because it's a big game and there's corporate customers to take care of. And um, Leeds United apologised for the way it was communicated, if not for the doing of it itself. They justified it in their own in their own way, but at least there was actually something came back. So it's good. And the more, the more Nigel Martins at the top and the more regular Leeds fans throughout the, uh, the organisation, the more likelihood that Leeds United are actually going to have to go uh, I guess we'd better answer this, actually. Let's get it out the bin, will you? Uh, we'll have another look at it. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. It's time for the inquest. Let's do the inquest. Our defence, why is it so bad? Bad players. Well, I'll ask you first, Moscow. You got very passionate about this <coughs> on the forum in the wake of the Brighton game putting it down to bad players rather than bad coaching. I was going to, I thought you were talking about my passion. I was going to put it down to drinking alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I just get, it seems this ever prevalent idea that we could solve everything if we just get a defensive coach. And more than that is people saying there's always, and it's always on 
and whack on on the square ball forum as well. As people, it's like, who is our defensive coach? Because whoever they are, they're not doing a very good job. And the thing about it is, we don't have a defensive coach. And I actually, in the in the the midst of this Friday night internet melodrama, re- Googled several of the top teams in the championship. None of them have defensive coaches. And if you look at Arsenal after they shipped um, all those goals to Scum and Blackburn, their fans want Steve Bold in as a defensive coach, which suggests to me that Arsenal don't have a defensive coach either. And I sort of suspect that defensive coaches are a bit like mermaids in that they don't actually exist. There are, there are coaches who are good at def- good at defence, but it's not really like football manager where you can just sort of hire a, a coach who's got defensive 10 attacking two and suddenly... You'd be wanting 20 if it was football manager, by oh, the way. I, I was talking about the original. Um, the old version. The tape yeah. loading <laughs> version. Um, they didn't have number tw- up to 20, did they, in those days? Um, all right, so 20 to two. And then it's suddenly, that suddenly then Lee Bromby is going to become a 20-rated a, a defender. I just don't don't buy it myself. I think because it, it, after the Brighton game, the, the Lee Bromby's mistakes in the Brighton game, the one for the third goal when Mikael Smith got ahead of him, Lee Bromby knew what he should have done. Get there before before Mikael Smith. I don't see how getting in George Graham is often the example. Let's just give George Graham some money for a start. That's a bad idea. Secondly, cash. yeah, cash. <laughs> cash payments only. Secondly, as if George Graham's is going to come, it says, "Well, Lee, I've uh, I've watched a video of your performance against Brighton, and I really think you should probably have got to the ball before Craig McHale Smith did." There's, 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 my, there's my invoice. Yeah, exactly. There's <laughs> it, nothing you can tell Lee Bromby that he doesn't know already uh, about that situation. See, I, no, I, I don't entirely agree because the point of training and coaching is it's about repetition, isn't it? And it's about concentrating skill sets and making them do the right things and make the right judgments as well. So a defensive coach may come in and encourage them to think differently and you repeat it often enough from, a, you know, get it from a specialist who knows that part of the pitch particularly well. You would have thought Grayson should, but that's a different argument. And they will start to do that. Their behaviours will change. Well, I there think are, it's the same it's, argument because if all it is is practice, Simon Grayson knows how to clear a football equally as well as George Graham knows how to clear a football. So George George Grayson, Simon Grayson could just get with Lee Bromby and they just practice it. It's all that needs to happen. You don't need to suddenly... It's not like this defensive coach is going to descend from the heavens and, and change everything. Practice the bastard thing. And then you're relying on Lee Bromby to remember the bastard thing because how old is he now? 28 and it can't be the first time that somebody ever says to him, Watch a player in the six-yard box and attack the ball before he scores. Oh, yeah, I never thought of doing that. The thing is, though, looking at that particular goal, that one-off goal as a single incident, that it happens very quickly. He's obviously watching the ball. I'm not saying he switched off, but the game happens and unfolds a lot faster than we analyse it subsequently. We look at it and we say, well, you know, you saw the ball was coming down there. He cut inside the full-back. You know he's going to square it. And then Mikhail Smith just, you know, hung on his shoulder stepped inside and scored. I mean, strikers have been doing that for, for years, for generations, and it's just something that happens in a split second and you can't always legislate for how a defender's going to react. You know, he didn't necessarily do anything wrong other than not step forward quickly enough. You can legislate for how he's going to react if he's a better defender than Lee Bromby is. Are you saying, though, that coaching as a whole is pointless or just the idea of a defensive coach? Just the idea of a specific defensive coach. Just as it's Just as the way it's always presented as, that will solve... <laughs> I think Everything. we're just getting bogged down in the the wording of it, though, because we just want a coach who is good at teaching no, defenders. It do, doesn't, doesn't they can do other well, stuff the, too? That part of it as well. I'm not sure. I just don't. I mean, I just don't see that Lee Bromby is teachable. 
in to change what happened in that situation. That's why it's a mistake. What then you look at he, someone like like Lucas when he first arrived at Leeds, he was all over the place, and within a few years, he was one of the best centre backs in the world. It's because he was playing left wing when he first yeah. came. But he, he but he did originally come in at he came in at centre back, and to begin with, he wasn't anything like as good as he he turned out to be. And that and he wasn't a particularly young man at the time. He only just started playing that position. Though. It became practice. I think, which is what we're saying about the practicing and training, that that made him better at doing that. But I'm not sure. Does Lee Bromby have that capacity for improvement? I think is 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 my point. I'm not sure any of our defenders have that, like the gap between what, the way they play now and the way they could potentially play. I'm not sure there's that much of an increase that can happen. Radaby suddenly going to central defence and then playing there every week. There was a big whoosh because he was talented and it was able that his his performances yeah. then came up and met his potential. But was that George Graham bringing that out of him? Well, yeah, I was going to say it's the, it's the very same point, isn't it? Some, As we've spoken about with Painter, for example, that we said sometimes coaches, clubs, fans, surroundings don't always fit together. Replace the coach or perhaps bring in another coach and you, you look at how... Radebay flourished under Graham. You're right, Oddie. I think there's got to be an argument for saying that different personnel can bring out better things in even average players. I mean, look at what George Graham did with that whole defence on relatively average or cheap unknown players. Pemberton. He did, he did concentrate on the defence, but he forgot yeah. all about the midfield and the attack because we barely got out of our own half. He also but did, he did um, show up, along with Nigel Martin, being the best keeper at the time. It's just basic organisation, wasn't it? Yeah, right, let's, it let's get organised, do it simply, and then we'll work on it from there. But going back to Bromby, are we not taking something away from Mikhail Smith, who did was just that bit sharper in the box? Yes, that's what I was saying. Strikers yeah. have been doing it for years. I mean, Lineker yeah. did that, didn't he? For, yeah. for years, hung off the shoulder. And... and someone did point out on the forum that if you watch the Football League show, a lot of goals are scored through defensive errors of some kind. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that surprising. We're not playing with international defenders so they will make mistakes and that is how goals will be scored and, and your good strikers will make the most of that and that's why I think the solution is not necessarily to get better coaches <laughs> for the players we've got but it's going to get better players than the players we've got yeah. because we are at that level where they will make mistakes which again you know it's Bromby knows what to do he didn't do it it's a mistake and you need players who don't make mistakes as often yeah. as Lee Bromby makes them, or one of our other scapegoat defenders <laughs> makes them. And and partly, and I was going to say about George Graham when he came in, it wasn't just that he got Radaby playing as a better centre-back and he got Weatherall playing. He also got shot of Carlton Palmer from the central defence, didn't bother with Beasley in there, and bought Molinar, which made a massive difference, because then you suddenly had, instead of going from 4-4-2, which was Kelly, Palmer, Beasley, Dorigo, you suddenly had three centre-backs, Radaby, Weatherall and Molinar. You had... Gary Kelly and Gunnar Haller both playing right back. You had Tony Dorigo and that's and playing left back and Lee Sharp, I think. Don't mention David Robertson. George Yeah, no. <laughs> Lee Sharp, I think Graham just sort of tolerated his presence and I <laughs> hoped he wouldn't do too much harm. Don't get but, a stupid haircut. But he he brought in a much better player than the player we had there. And and that I mean I'm sure a Molinar just parachuted into our mm. defence. That would make a much more immediate difference than a load of coaching work would. Yeah. I mean, I'm with Moscow. I don't think we need a defensive coach because Newcastle did that when Keegan was there. They could score goals for fun, but couldn't defend for Toffee. And I think they brought Lawrence in, didn't they, as a defensive coach? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> and, <laughs> exactly. But at Liverpool, it was part of a defensive team that 
you know, they won all sorts, didn't they? I was going to ask... It, it didn't necessarily follow that a good defensive player is going to make a good defensive coach. Yeah. Well, George, George, George Graham always, wasn't there, yeah. George Graham wasn't exactly a towering centre-back. He was a silky back, was winger. He? he was all about attack yeah, yeah. when he was a player. Whereas David, David O'Leary. David O'Leary, yes. Yeah. But this was my next question. The natural question that's posed from that then is, if it's about tactics, are we too attacking? Are we leaving players too exposed? We're not, though, because you look at those goals, there were people around those players, around Mikael Smith. Bromby should have stopped him both on... Yeah. For that goal, there's no doubt that he that that last goal is unforgivable. He stands completely still. He could easily have got there. I could have got there. Anyone could. He just and you were in the stand opposite. (laughs) It just required taking a step forward and smashing it out. It's not. There's 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 no reason he shouldn't have been able to. Organisation wise, he was in the right place for that. Yeah, the goals we've conceded this season haven't been great goals. They've all been defensive. (laughs) Killer aside, yeah. Yeah. They've all been defensive slip-ups, and we've had people back in numbers it's when people get to the edge of our box and are running and pass quite quickly we don't know what to do we either daren't put a tackle in or don't want to put a tackle in or well, just stand still and ball watch the organisation argument I think comes up against one of our other big problems which is I don't know how they can get organised when it changes every single game like I mean Bromby obviously had to come in against Scum for um, for Kisnobo because of the red card but as as average as Kisnobo has been I don't know why Kiznobo didn't come back in against Brighton because just stick with him and O'Day for a while or O'D or O'Dear or... Let them form a partnership. And let them, yeah. yeah. And then, and especially when you've got Lees and White, Lees doesn't really know what he's doing at, at right back. White's looking pretty good at left back, but he makes mistakes like that throwing that led to the first one. Just if the four of them can hang around together, because if they're suddenly, you know, I mean, Kiznobo only plays on the left side, so if... if Aiden White's used to getting instructions from Kisnobo and then suddenly Lee Bromby's there and suddenly the instructions are changing. He's not getting told the same things he was getting told the last game that he needs, then that's lost and you may just try and keep some consistency. Well, it's interesting because Grayson has come out in defence of his defence today in the paper, hasn't he, in the Evening Post, blaming mistakes, but also in a roundabout way defending his defenders, saying they're all good enough players that have played at a high enough level they just need to cut out these errors and blaming individual errors. But he's also mentioned the fact that they've tried every combination. And as you say, is it too many changes? Let's get a settled side and stick with it and give them a chance to iron out those mistakes. That's the problem, though. That no one ever plays well enough to deserve the, to hold on to their place. Like People now, because it's been six weeks or whatever it's been since the Bradford game, are saying bring back O'Brien and Connolly. Because since then, Bromby's come in and made mistakes. Kisnobo's made mistakes. People are saying now get Lees into the centre and it just... It'll go on forever. Yeah, people that pretty soon will be saying Ben Parker will be back. And Is this what's confusing people though? Can't figure out whether it's time just to settle it down and let somebody have a good run at it or it's a systematic failure of coaching and tactics? It's, it's a catch-22 situation with the lineups because Grayson won't be... He's almost not allowed to stick with a defence long enough to see if it'll work because, as you say, they make mistakes too soon and he's sort of forced into dropping so if he if he had stuck with O'Brien after the Bradford game the reaction from the fans would have been like what get this clown out of the defence after the Bradford game you know get Bruce back in so he, he's sort of his hand is forced into making that change but then at the same time he's saying what are you changing it for you need to keep a settled lineup, and it's just it, it's circular and it's impossible to get out of and I think he may just need to well, he needs two two things to happen. He needs the players to step up and sort of actually start performing consistently. Somebody needs to actually say, yes, I want to play central defence for Leeds United. I'm going to be really good at it. 
I think he's Grayson to spot that and keep them in the in the side. I would like to see us buy a player as well that is on the way up rather than on the way down. Because if you look at our players, we've got Kiznobo was released, O'Brien, Bolton didn't want him, Bruce Ipswich didn't want him, Bromby, Sheffield. We paid money. One of them, United, <laughs> didn't want him. We did, we never seem to sign anyone who is a promising. 24-year-old centre-back. This is what I was talking about, get, though. This is what I was talking about the other the week when we were talking about the transfer policy. Let's look at the lower <laughs> leagues and you can't tell me that we can't pick up uh, an up-and-coming centre-half early enough, not when they start making headlines, but early enough to see someone who's got talent, get them on the way up. Molinar must have had some kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was that um, Irish player that we were being linked with. He was, he was actually Northern Irish. Colin it? Coates. Yeah. And the reaction around um, Leeds fans where it was just rumoured that we might be in for this guy because he was like 23, captain of his club, um, breaking into the international team. He was like, sounds fantastic. Let's get him. And that stuff. That, no, we've got Neil Collins. Yeah, it fizzled out and we ended up with, with that kind of thing who everybody's kind of, oh yeah, it's just another one. Just drifting But that's the whole point. Down. We can't just go out and get somebody because we won't. The O'Briens of the Premiership are the players we can only get because they've been used to 20, 30, 40 grand a week, getting into the last three or four years of their career, and we'll have to take a, a big dip in wages, an even bigger dip to come to Leeds. Yeah, but, you're, yeah you're relying on someone yeah. saying, oh, I don't mind taking a bit of a pay cut because <laughs> yeah. it's Leeds and, and that, try and selling it on that. Yeah. Do you think there's a failure with our scouting? Because what we don't see is that the amount of cutbacks that have happened around the club since we hit financial trouble and that... For example, Thorpe Arch is now just starting to re-emerge as a you know with a new leader, and Mervyn Day's just come in as a scout, head scout. That perhaps that the scouting network isn't there to to look around these lower leagues, and because we tend to just you know I don't know take a recommendation from a foreign agent and give someone a trial, the crap, send them off if they're not sign them up, and it's worked on a few occasions. Mm-hmm. You know, you think uh, Becchio, Nunes, and so on, but just in terms of you know like say ploughing through those lower league players and do what Norwich did, which I mentioned when we spoke about this before, and picking up those talented lower league players and, and having some faith in them to come through and develop into better players, like we did with Johnson as well. But then they'll want paying decent wages once they've proved themselves. Well, that's the, it, we yeah. can sell them. <laughs> and I mean, the scouts will want paying as well for doing it. So mm. I don't know, maybe when the hotel's open, the bellboys can have that as a weekend job. They can go and watch some football and see if they can spot some players. But I, don't, I mean... Sh- yeah, you wonder how hard it can be if you're at a football club just to watch the football league show and just and to see if anybody looks decent. I mean, there, there is a point that I think that Grayson was making that Andy O'Brien should really be good enough in the championship. Still, he he should be our Molinar. I think he was signed with that in mind, and I don't know what. And he was good wrong. to begin with. Yeah, and, and then we, we signed him properly. Yeah. And then, well, that's Ken has invested in for whatever money was available for O'Brien, he has taken a punt on him and, you know, like, that is a player we, yeah, can, no, you're we right. can afford. You're right. So for, for all the criticism we aim at Bates, that's that's our limit. And he has, we have gone out and says, right, we'll get him on loan. Yeah, he's pl- played well. Let's sign him up. Yeah. Sign him up for two or three years and then they dip off a little I mean, you, you can only... I mean, I've sort of got my fingers crossed O'Brien sorts himself out because really he is, he, he is good enough. I mean, oh, if they are there. If you had an O'Brien who was on it, and Kiznobo from about two or three seasons ago won't be a problem. Central defence will be sorted, I think. But are they ever going to be like that again? Well, this is the thing you're saying, if, if, if. Yeah. There's some hope. With you're O'Brien. relying on Kiznobo being a new signing, as Ken called him. I think if he'd um, been a new signing, we probably would have been furious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite reassured by his heading ability and his 
hefty clearances and he's shouting, but God help us when anybody runs at him, mm. it doesn't look good. They're still like Lee Bromby and he's got the experience in this league. He's Even after played. Friday? He, he can yeah. fool you sometimes, yeah. can Bromby. At, at times he looks like quite a classy ball-playing kind of centre-half, but then you just see him stood like a statue while people run in front of him and it's hard to justify keeping him in the team. OD seems to be pretty much assured in his place. He's, he's getting better, I think. I mean, he's an he's, awful footballer. There's yeah. no, he's, he's dreadful with the ball at his feet. He's a, <laughs> Is he this season's Neil Collins? He's a better defender than Neil Collins, I'm almost certain. He, he's good in the air and he's fairly strong. And But yeah, with the ball at his feet, he's bloody awful. But that's fine if you have someone someone else next to him. As long as they can pass it to someone in midfield who can play yeah. with the ball. Are we perhaps being a little bit unfair because our expectation levels are so high due to, you think, you know, going back through the historical ones, Jackie Charlton, Fairclough, Weatherall, Radebay, Woodgate, Ferdinand, perhaps we've got a high watermark that will never be repeated. You, you could also say Hayden Fox, Neil Collins. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's an equally, well, a far longer list of crap centre-backs. Centre so We were almost spoiled. I mean, when you write down Radebay, Woodgate, Ferdinand, we had all three. It was... That's unbelievable now to to think about it. Who would you... Who, I mean... What would you give now for an 18-year-old Woodgate just coming through (sighs) without maybe the... Indiscretions. Indiscretions. (laughs) Scored a good on goal for Stoke the other week. He did, yeah. He remember his own goal for Real Madrid on his debut. He seems to like it. Didn't he then go off injured? No, he got sent off. 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 (laughs) One of the rare games. He he would have got injured if he hadn't been sent off. (laughs) (laughs) Crikey, is it nearly October already? Uh, Portsmouth coming up on the 1st of October... That's the only game in this fortnight. So again, is it going to be a long, slow, drawn-out chat, this one? We'd better make the most of Portsmouth. Enjoy every minute. It's category A. A? It is. It is category A. It is. What's the category C? Oh, it's Coventry. It's category C, isn't it? I'm getting I know, ahead of myself. There's not difference between them, is there? Realistically, <laughs> the way I think of it. Yeah, Portsmouth. Uh, Portsmouth Port- and Coventry are very much in the same category in, in my mind. Yeah, Portsmouth aren't exactly a, a heated rivalry any more than um, Coventry are not if... Mm. They ever were. Oh, dear ticket Sheffrey, Coventry. That makes it. That should pump it up at least one category for you. Is he still there? He scored the uh, other day. Yeah, he's still knocking about. Not that I'm watching him like a like a hawk. Portsmouth up in arms about the ticket prices. Some of their fans, if you read the, f- the forums, yeah, They're in the West Stand, aren't they? They're in the uh, West Stand. It's the debut of the West Stand. I mean, the, we've now got. Thankfully, all those cheap tickets have been released for the southeast corner and the South Stand for Leeds fans. No one's buying them. Portsmouth have been shunted over to the West. Those cheap tickets, they're available for a mere, what is it? Like 31 quid? <laughs> yeah. And you, what, they haven't been snapped up? They'll all, well, they haven't just... even released the Southeast Corner for the Coventry match yet, have they? It'll be people coming up on the day, they just wake up in the morning, see that uh, the snow is only, is only flurrying mildly and they think to themselves, you know what, I want to go and spunk 31 quid on a really miserable football game in the uh, decrepit South Stand. Unless, of course, they know it's a new issue of the square ball. Oh, well, 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 absolutely, absolutely shameless, but uh, well done. Cock You're on. a pro. People now are just getting the bus to Welland Road, buying a square ball and going home again. No, they're not really. There's no evidence. If you are doing that, <laughs> get in touch and um, Ozzy will give you a kiss. I <laughs> wonder where you were going with that. Back, back to what I was on about. Concessions in the West Stand for Portsmouth. We don't get them, but they do. 25 quid for children. <laughs> Is that a concession? <laughs> 25 pounds. Yeah, it's, it's worth saying that Although it is good that there are more cheap tickets for Leeds fans, 
it's really quite a scandal that we charge away fans that much money to sit in what is undoubtedly the shittest part of the ground. Probably the shittest part of any ground in this league, in fact. It's a positive because we don't get... You think, <laughs> oh, good on them, they've given them concessions. We still don't get them. And yet, you're still outraged because it's 25 quid for a child. I'm not I'm not such an old man that my childhood is a, is a long way past. But when I was, say, nine years old and Christmas was coming around, I distinctly remember looking through the Argos catalogue see what I might want for Christmas. And I'd see things like the new Transformers or a really good Lego set. And I'd look, I'd think, oh, I really want that. And then look at the price, 25 quid. And I'd go, oh, there's no way I can ask for that. That's way too much money. And now, 25 quid to watch Portsmouth at Leeds and every bloody week of the year, I feel like um, I remember, Victor Meldrew, frankly. <laughs> I remember the 1996 FA Cup quarterfinal against Liverpool when we were on the telly. And I think it was nil-nil and we were dire and it was £25 for adults and the ground was about half empty, if I recall correctly. 25 quid was outrageous then for an adult, for a child now, ridiculous. You've got children. Would you give them anything for £25 or would you just make them suffer? It was my daughter's third birthday a week or two back and we got her a toy electric guitar and microphone stand and microphone for about fifteen pounds. And how much? How many hours of pleasure has she got from it so far? Well, the batteries have been flat and replaced at least once, so far more than she would get for a twenty-five pound ticket in the West Stand at Ellen Road, aged three. Says so to me, you've not only bought a cheap present but also cheap batteries. <laughs> and you would be correct on both counts. You are listening to the Yorkshire Skinflint podcast. <laughs> the uh, the square ball will be, be returning shortly. Well, Leeds be forced to give concessions in that stand for the way fans are. Well, even though it's not much of a concession. I don't think so. No, I don't think they're under any obligation to match. They're, not. they're under obligation to match the equivalent pricing um, in, in the way end that the home yeah. fans get. But I don't think there's actually any obligation to do it the other way around. So yeah. you could offer away fans cheaper tickets in the same stand, but not for your home fans. I'm pretty sure that you could challenge it if you really wanted to. But I don't know your local trading standards, but you know. I'd love to see Ken's response class, to that. Class action lawsuit. I understand we've been, uh, we got a letter from the trading standard. I've never heard of them. Wonder what I thought about that. Where's Nigel Martin with their uh, their association? Well, talking about all this bollocks has killed five minutes anyway. What do you think about the, <laughs> what do you think about the game? Portsmouth haven't got very many players. That's the whole squad that I, I copy and pasted onto our, uh, our notes before. That really is all the players they've got. They're still sort of uh, struggling from... Russell, Russell's paper to pick it up. Let's have a look. There's not, there's not a lot of them compared to some people. Nuanko Kanu's still there, which I was very entertained by. Only 35 years I, I, old. I did see that. <laughs> he scored the other week. He's been playing, according to Wikipedia, he's been playing men's football since he was about 11. <laughs> and yet he's still capable of scoring in the championship. You, kind so. of look, at his, you look at his stats and you think, debut at 1981? <laughs> this isn't impossible. This is he's a big lad though. He scored a diving header the other week as well. you got to expect, I mean, can Bromby mark Carnu out the game? <laughs> I like to think Nigel Worthington could. Looking forward to Carnu sort of <laughs> out sprinting Kisnobo if he's back in. I'm just imagining Michael Brown playing in this and it would be an absolute bloodbath, wouldn't it, if he was let loose on the field? He wouldn't be able to catch any of them, that's the problem with Michael Brown. Well, it might catch Ryderson because according to your notes, he's 37 years old. He's a youngster, claims Carnu. <laughs> <laughs> Carney's old enough to be his dad, apparently. I mean, Portsmouth are sort of destined to finish where they are on the table. They're going to finish 14th. They'll be just slightly lower than 
mid-table, so they're also destined to probably beat us. And notice as well the scoring minutes charts that, oh, I, yeah. this that is, this I provided is as well. Serious preparation. Yeah, they score a lot of late goals more well, than us. Because we always uh, we always get to this point and we're always like, <clears throat> has anybody uh, anybody actually heard of Barnsley? Anyone, have they got any good players? So I've, I've been trying to uh, to up the fact quote in, in, in this part. And yeah, that scoring minutes chart, that, yeah, the last 80 to 90, they've got a good uh, 10, 20% more than us. They score half their goals in the last 10 minutes. Is this what this is essentially saying? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. If we're going to get stats, learn to read them off the charts. <laughs> this says they've got a, a, a big, bigger bar yeah. than us. They, they've, got a, goals. they've got a big line, whereas our line is a little bit shorter, whereas some of our lines um, for the rest of the game are bigger than their lines. And they don't have as many lines as we do. So we're going to win 4-0. So there you have it. <laughs> worth, conclusive. worth pointing out that they are yet to win away. Yes, and they've uh, they've conceded on average one point seven five goals a game. <laughs> yeah, that's that bodes well. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a funny don't care match for a category A, isn't it? Do you it? not find that that's the case looking through the fixtures this year? And you were talking about it almost there with the categories that there's just a lot of really middling clubs that we're coming up against this year. Mm. Very few of we. I mean, like you don't have the Sheffield club, so there's not even the excitement of a derby or. Well, our northern friends either got promoted or relegated, didn't they? Got nobody so to play all, with anymore. All the spice has kind of gone out of the division, hasn't it, this year? Like you know, Norwich have gone because we came up with them from League One. That was Millwall and West Ham. Yeah. They're never without spice. Yeah. Codheads. They came. Yeah. But still, I mean, other than that, there seem to be a lot of just, like I say, middling teams who are not very exciting. But is that just the nature of the championship? Well, no, because I think the championship well, us coming back from League One. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where he's slumming around with these second-rate yeah. teams. I quite enjoyed the championship last year. It seems to be a little bit uh, lacking something this year. And I think it is that there's too many southern clubs. That's the major problem. And perhaps just because our season is gradually picking up pace now and we're making our way up the table, it's not been a very exciting start. Maybe I'm viewing it through that prism as well. We can, um, we can perhaps look to this uh, meeting with Portsmouth 4. A, a bit of excitement considering our two meetings last season were 2-2 two, two and 3-3. Three, three. And we had power failure. We had power failure. We had... Um, and an appalling a, ref, I think we had at Ellen Road. Certainly did. In fact, now I talk about the... Uh, the ref the f- for the scum game was the same guy as Middlesbrough, by the way. He, really? seemed, he seemed to keep a lid on his um, his cards. I that's actually... That's what something you can do. Big <laughs> metaphors, but I get the point. Yeah. Is that why I gave a free kick every time Berbatov fell over? I actually put a, a cheeky five pounds on um, somebody to get sent off at half-time in that game because I was expecting... They won't get sent off half-time. <sighs> you can I put the bet on you at half-time. Time. If, you, if you stand into the referee's room and start swearing, you get sent off. That, that Unless you were Alex Ferguson, in which case you'd probably just... Open a glass of wine or something. Or a <laughs> yes. of wine. You'd be yeah. asked if you were warm enough for... All right then, let's let's here. wrap this rambling nonsense up. This bit, um, are we going to win this or what? Yeah, yes, yeah, we're cool. fine. Right, three points. Um, right on to the Ken Bates villain of the fortnight award. <laughs> Nominees this fortnight for the Ken Bates villain of the fortnight. Somebody who's contributed something towards the misery of being a Leeds United fan, which we know is like basically a life prison sentence. Nominees this fortnight, Ken Bates, of course. Obviously, um, it's our first nomination. What's his um, What's his crime this crime fortnight? Crime sheet. Um, uh, what should we say? Slagging off Neil Kilkenny. Being a girl about dealing with someone pointing at him. I'm going to report <laughs> you to the football league. I've got it all on film. Point. So Ken Bates gets his uh, fortnightly standard nomination. Who else do you want to nominate them? Lee Bromby for Brighton game. Yeah, seems fair for, seems... for the first goal. Lee Bromby <laughs> for the penalty, and Lee Bromby for the third goal. <laughs> 
So that's three nominations <laughs> yeah. for Lee Bromby. Uh, no, seriously. I mean, yeah, Lee Bromby. Lee Bromby for his Brighton performance. Dreadful defending. Second half performance. But he wasn't too bad in the first half. Yeah, fair enough. To be fair. But, okay. as I say, three assists for Brighton. Yeah. Um, who else do we want to nominate? Scum fans. Yeah, they've got Predictable as yeah. they are, but, yeah. you know. And finally... Neil Kilkenny. Oh, controversial. Yeah, why? For daring to score against us. Although it was nice to see him. I was quite pleased for him, really. For blubbing his lip at yeah. Ken Bates. How rude. So this time out, the nominations, Ken Bates, Lee Bromby, the Scum fans, and Neil Kilkenny. Right, who's going to stake a claim for who should win this? Who has riled me most? Lee Bromby. You may look like Philip Schofield, but people still like him. <laughs> I mean, Ken's got his fortnightly nomination. He doesn't normally win, so he hasn't done anything particularly controversial. We can't give it to him. Scum fans, it's probably a fair shout to give it to the Scum fans, but again, best ignored. Don't get on our high horse about it. No moral high ground to be had, so can we give it to them, really? No. No? No. Don't give them Let's the satisfaction. And, and give it to one of our own players. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's either Lee Bromby then or Neil Kilkenny then. Can we give? Can we make a genuine case for giving it to Killer just for scoring against us? Plenty of people do that. I mean, I was annoyed that he scored against us, but it was a good goal. And then when he went and sort of wasn't it quite gestured at Ken Bates, yeah. I'd, I'd quite like to have done that myself <laughs> because we won. He's yeah, as well, right, really. it didn't matter in the end as well. So we'll give him his uh, his moment. He won't do it again. So what, score a goal. Yeah. <laughs> Or get that far up the pitch. Right, so that basically defaults it into being Lee Bromby as the winner of this fortnight's Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnight Award here on the Square Ball Podcast. There is no prize, by the way. It's just the accolade of being named. We send him dog shit in the post, I thought. Again. I'd like to apologise to the uh, people who've received packages over the last uh, month or so since we started this. Johnny Housen's <laughs> mum in particular. That's one of the letters that Ken says is in support of him. I received a letter the other day from a gentleman. It didn't have any criticism in it. <laughs> it, was, it, it was... had some nice peanuts and sweet corn in it. <laughs> I very much enjoyed it. All right, after that distasteful stuff, uh, any other business you want to bring to the table, gents? Um, we have a nice book to give away to a kind... A, appreciative a book you say can our, audi- can our audience read these morons <laughs> square ball fans that was my Ken that was my Ken yeah, yeah, that wasn't yeah. really me it's uh, Gary Edwards latest um, book no glossing over it how football cheated Leeds United it's available in some good bookshops and some bad ones and too. some bad ones too yes hooray uh, and we're giving a free copy away so anybody who wants it we've got to have a competition or something surely yeah, no, we, we should even, be able to think about something no let's not even bother just send us an email podcast at the squareball.net yeah. just mark it book competition and give us your details and we'll pick one out at random put your name on the back of a five pound note send it to that would also work yeah and talking about books we are expecting a delivery of Joe Mewis's new book it's Leeds United Miscellany uh, Miscellany being shorthand for stuff yeah facts information yeah, unorganised. Knowledge is power. His last one had it organised by date. This time he's just thrown the index system out the window. Like a crazy rebel man. Yeah, yeah. and there's bits and excerpts from that in the square ball this season. So if you haven't picked up a copy of the mag, you can find it. Some interesting little snippets in there, stuff you wouldn't know. Stuff like one of our players who went over to the North American Soccer League was in issue two, who uh, was around in Revy times. David Harvey. No, I can't remember his name. There was a number, actually there was Lorimer went and played yeah, for Vancouver you. Whitecaps. I'm sure Harvey went as well. Did Lorimer do that for the money? <laughs> John Styles played for the Vancouver Whitecaps as well, didn't he? Do you remember? Yes. Good. You see, this is the kind of thing why we need his book here. 
It is true. Yeah. So, we Joe, send, us your button send it through, and we'll uh, we'll give away a copy on a forthcoming Square Ball podcast. It'll be an equally difficult competition. And whilst we're on uh, about the magazine, as we were just then, uh, issue three, just a final reminder, is on sale for the Portsmouth match. Come and get it from uh, from Oddie and Michael. Um, and we also need to thank Leeds Lass from Twitter. Yes, Russell, the uh, the gift that we've got. That's it's, the sound of rustling chocolate wrappers. Yeah, I'll knock them together. That works a bit more nice. It has actually, these have, um, uh, compared to last time we got chocolate, then they disappeared in about 20 minutes. We've had to uh, restrain ourselves this time, partly because we've got so much of it. It's like a massive, huge Swiss chocolate I think we still went through a bar each. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, uh, because Dan hasn't had his tea yet. He's been whinging like an old woman about um, just not letting us eat it all before he has a chance to have some. Just to put everyone in the picture, it is nearly 8.30 at night here recording this and uh, I've had a bowl of cereal all day. Yeah, that's because you didn't get up till four o'clock. But anyway, thank you very much for the... the... (laughs) Oh, this is getting a bit... These two live together, you know. (laughs) Moscow's been doing all the housework. (laughs) It's like Bert and Ernie. (laughs) Hey, Bert. Thanks for the chocolate. Hey, Ernie. Yes, Leeds last. thank you for the chocolate. And not to you, Dan. We appreciate it. Um, if anyone wants to send us any gifts, please let them be sealed in their original packet, just so we know. Perhaps you know. an alarm clock for Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> then do send it to us if you like. We always appreciate any gifts we receive. The address is at the foot of the page on the website at squareball.net. Finally then, the magazine, let's talk about that. Get it, issue three, on sale, V Portsmouth, as I mentioned. You two, sell it, sell it well. That won't work well on a podcast. You two are nodding to me <laughs> and Michael. That's true. Oddie, Michael, sell it. We shall. Good. Um, that will be finished in the next day or two and we will get it out there on the streets and you can buy it via the squareball.net. And after all that's done, we will be back in a fortnight to speak to you then. So in the meantime, I will say goodbye and goodbye from Michael Normanton. Goodbye. Goodbye from Moscow White. Goodbye. And goodbye from Oddie. Goodbye. Get in touch with us, podcast at the squareball.net. Find us on Facebook. We are also on Twitter. Enjoy the next fortnight and we will speak to you soon. The Squareball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. Goodbye.